Hello, and welcome to the Plugged In Podcast, where we talk with founders and CEOs in order to bring you the real stories of failures and triumphs, highs and lows they've experienced on their journey toward success. We will go in-depth with our guests to give you insights into how they have taken an idea from concept to realization, making those first key hires to building the right team, scaling revenues, how they overcame obstacles, and much more as we learn how they achieve success. This is the podcast that you want to subscribe to if you want to learn how to succeed. Hello, everyone, um, and thank you uh, for joining us today. Uh, today's another episode of Plugged In Podcast, and today we have Eric Franchi here, who is the operating partner of Math Capital and someone I've known for some time through my brother, Joseph Mandelbaum. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, when he was at Perion, Joseph and Eric worked together. And we are going to be talking with Eric about what he's doing today um, and who, what he's looking for in the startups that he's investing, the, the um, aspects he learned from Undertone, and how he got started. So with that, you know, why don't Eric, you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, and then we'll just jump into the conversation. Sure. Thank you for uh, for having me. This is a this is a privilege. Um, so I am. How far back do you want to go? Do like? <laughs> you know, you know, the last five years or so. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I'm most known for my career in, um, in ad tech and, and martech. We started what became Undertone in 2001. So uh, so a long time ago, and uh, ran that for many years. As you mentioned, uh, had an opportunity to uh, successfully sell the business to uh, Perion, where, where I work with uh, with your brother Joseph, and uh, spent some time working on the, the the post acquisition plan, making sure it was successful for everybody, and then uh, left and uh, started working with uh, my partner Joe Zawadzki, who is the CEO of MediaMath, on a uh, on a sector focused uh, venture capital fund uh, called Math Capital, which is what I've been working on for uh, over a year now. Awesome, well, that that's a good summary. So well, let's just jump right in, into it. So what was your first job, um, you know, out of college, university? Sure. And, you know, did you learn anything from that first job that really stayed with you? Right? Yeah, absolutely. So my, my first job was in, I graduated college in the, the peak of the, the technology boom of the, of the late 90s. Um, and uh, I, was, uh, I was obsessed with, with the internet and, and, and obsessed with, you know, all, all, all the technology that, that, that powered it. So my first job was a um, for a company that is no longer in existence called WorldCom. Oh, I, WorldCom. I, I, I actually worked at WorldCom. Okay, WorldCom. It's going way back. For some <laughs> of your uh, listeners, um, may remember it. For those who uh, those who don't, um, is uh, known for being one of the largest um, bankruptcies and uh, I think instances of corporate fraud in, yeah. in, in American history. I think I think it's just second to to Enron. I was a 22-year-old account executive, so I had no, <laughs> I had no, no, no part of any, any, any wrongdoing. Um, but uh, it was, um, it was selling, uh, you know, what, what was the the first generation of high-speed internet access and uh, you know, data systems uh, to businesses uh, here in, in Manhattan. Matter of fact, here in Lower Manhattan, where we're, we're recording the, the, the interview interview right now, um, this was pre 9/11. This was um, truly a door-to-door sales job. Um, for me, one of the things that I, I think I, you know, uh, was fortunate enough to, to recognize early on was um, I was a shy kid. And uh, I realized that if I were to, you know, have any chance of being successful in business, I had to figure out a way to come out of my shell. So what better way to uh, to, to do that than, um, I mean, literally be forced to sell 
complex technology door to door in lower Manhattan. <laughs> so I would I would go to buildings that you know are around the area where we're at right now. Um, you know, figure my way in 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 past security. Go to the top floor. Just start working on working way down, knocking doors and, yeah. and working working my way down. Those those, those jobs, you know, again in a, in a post nine eleven world, don't even exist anymore. And you know, thankfully, things like LinkedIn and, yeah. and other and, and other technologies don't, don't exist at all. But that's, a, that's um, the art of cold calling. Yeah, yeah. The the lessons I learned from that job, I think, stay with me to to this day. Um, the you know the uh, coming out of my shell and being able to speak to anybody and ask for business and <laughs> deal with you know rejection the majority of the time and get thrown out of offices and office <laughs> buildings I got I got lots of lots of stories for you um, that they, they were they were invaluable and, and I think they, they led to me um, you know ultimately doing doing what I did from a, a career perspective as a founder uh, that's actually uh, pretty cool very similar I mean I worked I think uh, at, at what was it MFS which was later bought by World yeah it was, it was it was one of the acquisitions and, 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 and I was doing the same thing going door to door really depressing <laughs> really frustrating you know getting rejected most of the time because who the hell wants to buy their telecom system this is before they even had broadband now, this is back in the mid 90s um, alright so what was the first thing you you, you know Outside of you know Worldcom, which I'm sure you you failed a lot because rejection was just part of the norm. But you know, first thing you failed at, and and what did you learn from it? Like, how did you overcome it? The first thing I failed at. That's a that's a good. I'm question. thinking I'm thinking a little bit deep here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so with um, with. The, the majority of my career subsequently ended up being, you know, with, with one company, which was mm-hmm. Undertone, which um, after WorldCom, I took a job at About.com, which was a you know, kind of high-flyer uh, New York uh, digital media company at the time. Met, who was, you know, Mike Cassidy, who was my co-founder at, at Undertone, and we, we left and started started the, the, the first business there. Um, I think, you know, once it became more than a couple of us and we started hiring people and we started, you know, trying to figure out exactly how to, how to, how to build a business. Um, I think the, you know, the, the first real failure that I can point to personally was, um, I didn't have any idea what I was doing, um, from a, from a hiring perspective, from a a team building, company building perspective. Um, I think it caught up with us. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I can look back and, and maybe not be too critical because we were pretty young, didn't have a lot of experience, um, and frankly didn't have uh, a lot of the resources that are available to founders today with the explosion of podcasts and training <laughs> and you know information yeah. from you know the, the best people in the world. You know, putting it out there every single day it was it was a little little bit of you know kind of trial by by you know uh, by fire and, and trial and, and, and error, and you know we, we would you know hire people based on you know their, you know, ability to execute well in their job that they had, you know, at the time and not necessarily the job that we were hiring them for. Yeah. Um, so I think, um, yeah, our, our, our first forays at expanding the company weren't successful. Um, and I think that it forced us to really take hiring seriously, take um, culture seriously, take uh, training seriously. And I think over time, it made us you know, so much of a of a better company, but we had to you know learn learn some hard lessons in the in the beginning for sure. As a result, got it. So, just touch on on, on the other story. I know you mentioned you starting. So, you're at about dot com. How did you come up with it? Like, right? what made you want to go out on your own? 
right? And, and from there, you know, starting out, right? So I got to the point, you know, and we'll get to this as well from the building the company. But how did you and Mike really say, okay, you know what? Time to go. How did you come up with the idea? How did you how did you execute? Did you raise outside capital? Did you just you know dig deep and you know pretty much rough it? Sure. Yeah. Um, so a couple questions there. Uh, part of it was circumstantial. So uh, about like every internet company, every technology company, you know, uh, at at the time was was flying high as as a publicly traded company, and the, the Nasdaq was was going crazy, and then everything stopped. Um, and you saw a lot of companies failing very, very quickly. Um, so uh, about was uh, was acquired uh, and uh, became you know a different place to work. And you know with the whole stock market cratering, this is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the ad market softening. A lot of the customers that you know we we would call on for for business. Frankly, they're going out of business or, or downsizing. Um, it was not easy to be an internet ad salesperson at the time. Um, but you know, one thing I, I like to I like to say about you know uh, a thing I recognize in, in founding teams is um, is oftentimes they they, they 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 have a secret. They 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 know something that um, folks that are not deeply inside their market know. One of the things that we recognized was yes. The stock market was plunging. You know, big companies were, were cutting back on their, um, their their ad spending. It seemed to be like a terrible time to start a business focused on you know, digital advertising, internet advertising. But we we had a secret. Our secret was there were still companies that were investing quite heavily in internet advertising. Um, there were companies that were leaning in and understanding that this was, quite frankly, the time to be a buyer of internet advertising. So we thought it was a very clear opportunity to create a business that helped um, the buy side, frankly, just leverage all of the opportunities that were available to them. So we started what became sort of like the first generation of, um, you know, internet only uh, digital advertising agencies. Um, And that's something that when I'm meeting with founding teams now, when I'm really trying to to understand businesses that we might invest in, I want to know what they know that I don't know. I want to know what the secret is. I want to know why this is the business to work on today. Um, that was very apparent to us back then, mm-hmm. um, and I think you'll find that's a common trait of a, of a lot of founders. There's there's something. There's a there, there's a there's a secret. Um, when we uh, when we started the the first business, we didn't have any funding. Um, there was no funding to be had in, in 2001 when you know the the, the you know the, the whole technology yeah. economy was, was imploding so we were forced to create a business that had revenue that had profits from day one that shaped ultimately the type of business that that that, that we that, that we became um so um it's a different story than you might hear today where it's you know a couple of founders raise a whole lot of money on a you know yeah. on, on an idea and an, and, and an opportunity it was it was a different approach, um, but one that, frankly, we had no choice but to execute on at the time. I mean, so th- I mean, you know, that that, that you know that actually is a, a good aspect, right? So, being forced to be profitable is is a good thing, right? It makes you really, you know, dig down and, and focus on the action items that will actually bring money in. Yeah. Some of the best companies have been founded in, during downturns. You know, think about in, in two thousand eight. There's a whole cohort of companies that if you were to go back and invest in, 
Twitter. Yeah. You know, again, you know, Twitter's not 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 what what they were from a evaluation perspective, but you know, companies like Twitter, a lot of the SaaS companies that you know are coming to coming to, to bear now as, as monsters. A lot of them were were started a decade ago when things were really scary. Out yeah. There, quite frankly, with the economy. Yeah. No. Forces you to to, to to create a real business. So you know, did you were you able to find customers that were you know were existing clients that about and they weren't happy you went after them did you have to sell and find new customers on your own you know and did your co-founder did he have a tech background or was he similar to you in sales you know aspect we were both on the on the business side um and we we started a company that um it was was that took advantage of of that of that fact it wasn't you know a, a technology company until until later on um we we were so excited about the opportunity to, to build a business that we, you know, really leaned on our our background, my background mm-hmm. of, of, you know, co calling and, and new 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 business development, and um, it was um, yeah, it was a it was a fun ex- exciting time. Did you? This is a question I, I just on the cuff in a sense instead of thing. Did you have sales training at, at Worldcom that helped you, or did you just wing it? Like, did you, you know, again, I, I know there was some sales training back when I was at MFS, yeah. but, you know, today there's not a lot of sales training going on for these guys. Yeah, we, we had sales training. It was a, you know, you, you had to graduate the sales training program in order to actually get the, <laughs> get the job. Again, we're, we're, we're dating ourselves a, a little bit, but um, that that's how it was. Um, but I don't think that the sales training made a difference because um, there are plenty of people that you know I graduated with that weren't top performers. Um, just like with anything in life, it's the application of mm-hmm. the knowledge and that, that, that gets you anywhere. Um, and how intelligently you apply the knowledge, if you apply the knowledge at all, um, how hard you work, how long you work, like yeah. it's, 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 it's all of that. So um, yeah, I think that uh, with, with so much of this stuff, it's, um, you know, that having the knowledge is good, but it's all about the application of it and how how hard and and and, and aggressively you you apply it. So, when did you realize that you guys have a business that is sustainable? Like, when did you realize that? Okay, great. Now we have to scale up. We're going to go from whatever you know five, six to twenty employees. Like, and and you know what was going through your mind at that point? Like, you know, was it you know we have to raise some money or we're we just going to keep going? We're going to just bare bones it, keep it lean and mean. And, and grow that way. Sure. Yeah. So so we 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 had our first pivot, which I think ultimately um, you know paved, paved the way for for the business really expanding. Um, when we first started the business, it was an early form of av- advertising agency where you know we would help um, you know companies, and a lot of the early companies were companies you, you'll be familiar with. So we helped Match.com, mm-hmm. Schultz McCain Match, that's yeah. now a now now a great company under IAC. Classmates, mm. orbits. Um, we just help them spend their the money, their, their budgets more, more effectively um, from a, a, a digital perspective. Because um, we were very close to the space, we we're specialists. We knew we knew how to operate. Were you spending on portals? It was back then portals were the big thing, right? You had Excite, you had Yahoo, yeah, MSN, spent. or was it across? Like there weren't. I get it. Going back then, there weren't as. Okay, it wasn't programmatic, right? I mean, this is this is a different type of advertising, you know, world that we are in today. Yeah, oh, it was completely different. Uh, there were far 
less places to advertise than there are than there are today. So um, we, we we would manage um, you know fewer agreements and, mm-hmm. and they were larger. Uh, the agency business is challenging today. It was challenging back then. It's it's a it's a it's a pretty difficult model to scale. We found that we became uh, increasingly customers less of what you called portals and, yeah. and big, big properties and more of a type of business called an ad network mm-hmm. and it helped us aggregate all of these different um, properties and uh, sources of inventory in a far greater way and delivered like great cost efficiencies and, and performance for, for our clients. And we took a look at that business model and realized it wasn't too different than the model that we um, were currently operating, but it offered the ability to scale. It offered the ability to not just you know manage the budgets for one client, but have something to go out and sell to lots of clients. And it almost started the, the wheels turning in our mind, like, hey, this is a business that is not unlike the one we know now. It requires a bit a bit of technology, which I think we can we can we we can we can make do with. Um, but ultimately, I think put us in our position of strength, which was you know finding lots of potential customers. So when we you know, I would say we. We didn't realize we were pivoting the business at the time when we started Undertone as an experiment, see if we can you know, become another entrant into this, this uh, emerging category called, called ad networks. Um, we found very quickly that this was the right business at the right time. And I distinctly remember, you'll, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. Um, one Friday, that, so back then, again, this whole this, this is like the last time I'm going to say something that, that, sure. that, that dates us. But um, <laughs> I remember, so, uh, you know, back then you had to like physically print and sign contracts and fax them back and forth. The fax right? machine. <laughs> I remember there was this one Friday that the fax machine like didn't stop ringing. Um, and this is, you know, an obnoxious ring. But every time it rang, it was a signed contract of a customer like sending us money basically. And literally, it was all day long. It was like, my God, we got to start hiring people because there was so much demand out there for for what we were um for what we we, we we were offering. So that was our next move. Our next move was just like finding you know as many salespeople that you know we can convince to come work with us. You know, a couple of couple of folks in a in a in a, in a cramped, dirty office to um to to help build what became a, a, a business. So to that point, right? So you're you're growing, and, and look, the phone the, the phone pretty much is is, is ringing nonstop. Yeah. So when you hire people, right, sales staff, account execs, did you just put them in or did you actually try and train any of them? Did you give them any guidance? Did they come up with scripts? Like, did you, or they just said, okay, how much do you want? Get it to me. Here you go. And that's it. Like, yeah. it was, you know, it was that did, that happens, even happens now. I mean, yeah. you know, programmatically today, it's not really hard. Okay. What are you looking for? We'll put it in the system, you know, et cetera, and that's it. I mean, the sale is very different today, um, you know, than it was back then. Sure, sure. You know? E- either way, if it was, like, now or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I think you're crazy if you hire somebody, put them in a chair and say, okay, go to work. This is your number. Go go hit it. Um, <laughs> every company is different. Every offering is different. Every product is different. Yeah, particularly today. Um, the depth of understanding that uh, a, a person needs to have in order to like effectively um, apply a solution to a customer problem is like more complex than ever before. So, um, yeah, I mean, unless somebody's coming in as the first business hire, you know, <laughs> like literally like the third person on you know a founding team, 
of three um, and is going to be responsible and has the ability to do all of the commercialization of a product, like, I think you're crazy if you don't spend time, you know, teaching the person, helping them kind of hone, hone, hone the hone the, the pitch, so, so to speak, and, and then going out and having conversations with customers. And the larger your company and the more your sales force scales, um, the more, frankly, training I need, I, I think you, you need to ultimately be successful. We didn't talk about this prior, but yeah. I'm a big believer in training. I'm a big believer in development. Um, and, you know, I think that's a common trait of successful companies these days is actually creating that function. Do you think a lot of and this is just a side point because I want to go back to the question is what happens when you what happens when you did a bad hire mm-hmm. at, at, at Undertone? Like what did you how early did you recognize it and what did you do? But but go go. We'll get to that in a second. Sure. But, you know, do you see a lot of companies? I don't see, I, again, I do a lot of startups. I deal with a lot of, you know, founders and CEOs. And I just, I always hear that there's a lack of training in companies today. Yeah, I I have empathy. Um, which is, which look, is they got to hit numbers. But gotta, empathy is, is actually one of the bigger points that you need in the sales, yeah, right? Is understand sure. putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Sure. But you know, to your point, yeah, you have a lot of empathy for. Yeah, I like I I, I, I get it, right? You you need to um, execute on your product roadmap. You need to bring in revenue to keep the lights on, and you know, have a a, a good story to tell current and, and potential investors. Um, but at the at the same time, you know, you, you um, it can't be so so short term in, in, in your thinking. Um, the, you know, you only get one chance at a at, at a first impression, right? So for the first impression, a potential customer to have of your company um, be not you know you putting your best foot forward from a marketing perspective, you not putting your best foot foot forward um, from a sales representation per perspective. That's not good. That's going to make it much harder for you to ultimately have another shot with that company or or, or, or that person. Um, so um, yeah, I, I'm I'm a big believer that you need to um, you know properly develop people, properly develop them from a training perspective. And it's simple with a startup. Um, it's more complex uh, as a larger organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, with a larger organization, you should ultimately be able to have the resources and the infrastructure to support some of these more formal programs. Got it. Uh, so going back a second, yeah. so I always like to ask the question: like, what happens when you when you made a bad hire? Like, you know, and, and how early did you? And I'm not talking about just uh, some schlub in the company, like you know, count uh, significant hire. Yeah. And, and if and, and maybe you didn't make bad hires, but if you did see it was a bad hire, like you know, who was you know a cancer into the team, he, he didn't really work with the company culture. I did you. Because again, it's there's money being sunk into this guy. I'm not even talking about a salary, but from from you know the interview process to the training aspect to it, etc. Did you quickly you give him a chance? You know, a month, two months. How quick were you? Did you pull the trigger quickly? You know, I, I've I've made every mistake that you're pointing to right now. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, over over time, um, I got much better. The, the the company got got better, but um. Particularly, again, when it's your first time, you might not have um, folks that you can talk to that have done it before or have access to experts and, and resources. Um, you, know, you can find yourself making a lot of the, the wrong decisions, and they be very painful and expensive uh, lear- <laughs> lear- lear- learning process as a, as a result. Um, one of the big mistakes that you know I made that you know uh, I try to 
make sure folks you know don't, don't make that that I work with is um is ignoring the fact that you know an individual is clearly not a good fit for the role clearly not a good fit for the organization um, again clearly not a good fit versus you know maybe this is a person that just needs some time to develop mm-hmm. and with proper training they can get there um, when it's not a good fit you know right away and um, you're you're not doing anybody uh, any good by prolonging the difficult conversation um, you're not doing yourself any good as a manager or a founder you're not doing the broader team and company any good you're not doing the individual that we're talking about any good right because it's going to end at some point and to your point the damage that it can do um just letting it go and uh, maybe this will work itself <laughs> out maybe they'll leave you know, like it's just it, it's it's horrible and um as the organization grows it can have even more compounding effects because you lose credibility with your team you lose credibility with 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 folks on you know that that, that work with them um so recognizing that and not you know these are hard conversations to have. These are hard, hard things to do. Um, but um, yeah, recognizing it and, and, and uh, you know putting a plan into into place um, sooner rather than later is um, yeah is a mistake that I, I had to make my, myself. Got it. Very cool. So one more thing about Unter, and we're going to move into the more the you know what you're currently doing now with sure. angel investing and the startups that you're working with. Well, you know the, the biggest challenge you had um, as a as a co-founder. Right, you know, was it scaling? Was it building the team? Um, like we spoke about earlier, um, or was it something else? The biggest, um, I think it's 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 probably uh, you know a, a, a couple things, right? Um, certainly, number one, you know, it's t- team culture, you know, uh, gr- growing the. The, the right way um, is um, is all things that I think you know nobody feels like they're 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 doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody thinks that they can they can be m- much better at. And I, and I and I would think you know in, in my experience I I would I would say the same. Um, and then um, yeah, just having a process to you know strategically br- gr- grow the business um, is something that uh, you know I think we uh, needed to learn through not having one. Uh, you know, it's um, it's 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 hard to just continue to do what you've always done as a startup when you're a larger organization. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Things things break. Um, you need to build processes. You need to build structure. You need to bring in people with outside experience. Um, and um, yeah, I would say that you know it all fun fall, falls under that heading of hiring, building the the right type of leadership team, building building the right type of organization. It all it all comes down to people. Um, which as a you know as a as a as a founder yeah, increasingly becomes the, the, the only focus. <laughs> I hear that. All right, so you know you, you you founded a company, you're an entrepreneur and, and now you're an angel investor. So you know, how the first two hats you wore as a founder entrepreneur help you become the angel investor that you are today? And, mm-hmm. you know, again, you're working with, you know, Joe at Media Math, and it's, Media Math is definitely on the, you know, top tier of the ad network, the ad, the ad ecosystem. Sure. Um, you know, but, you know, how did the, how did your previous experience come to help you now working with so many startups that you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so just to, to clarify, um, I was an angel. Now, we're, we're a venture capital fund. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, yeah, so I opportunistically invested, you know, in companies along the way when it was um, friends or folks that I knew really well, 
um, were starting their next business. Um, and you work long enough uh, in, in, in at least our space, th- those, those opportunities tend to, tend to come your way. Um, so, um, so I was, uh, you know, sort of like passive hobbyist angel investor for some time. Um, and then as my career went on, um, I started spending a little bit more time doing it. Uh, started finding that, um, especially by sticking to a sector that I knew very well, um, I could be, uh, I think disproportionately, um, more helpful than others who are just sort of like sources of, of capital for the company, mm-hmm. which are important as well. But, you know, being able to help a company sort of like navigate the ecosystem, think about um, their offering, think about differentiation, think about customers, like all, all that stuff is, you know, I, I just did that all day long, right? So being able to um, help companies pass along those learnings um, and have a stake in them is a, was, a, was a pretty cool thing. Um, and, and a few of them, you know, be, became really successful businesses. Uh, so it was something that I enjoyed doing. It was something that was very complimentary and frankly made me better at my day job. And when the time came to think about what, what was next, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, for, fortuitously, as you, as you mentioned, um, I, I was chatting with um, another, you know, much more successful, much more prolific angel investor, Joe Zawatsky, the, the CEO of MediaMath. And he was talking about a concept that he, he had been thinking about for some time, which was basically institutionalizing this sector-focused investing that, you know, folks like us were, were, were doing and, and create a, a vehicle for it that could be larger, that can help companies uh, in a deeper way, whether that's with more capital or, or more resources. Um, and we uh, we joined forces to, to, to build Math Capital. Very cool. So you were saying, so you, you, you were an angel investor throughout your time in Undertone. You know, what did you look for as an, as an angel compared to VC? Is it the same thing? Is it different aspects? You know, an angel investor, you take a little bit more risk. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, yeah. you come to the VC, the VC, you know, as a VC stage, ideally companies have a little bit more traction, right? Angel investing could be just an idea, right? You know, you like the person, you like the idea, and, and you put some money into it. Yeah, I think the, the the common thread between angel and and VC is um, you're really making bets on teams, unless it's you know a business that is maybe Series A or or later. Um, and with Mad Capital, we have a big emphasis on, on early stage, so it's similar to, to angel investing. It's so much a bet on team, so much a bet on founders, so much a bet on on vision um, versus like what their initial idea is, mm-hmm. what, what what their initial you know sort of like minimum vi- viable product is. Because having done this now for almost two decades, having you know seen so many companies come and go, and worked with you know increasingly more of them a- as an investor. You know, I know that your first idea is not not going to be the thing that ultimately is, you know, <laughs> what the business looks like in, you know, 12 months, 18 months, let, let it alone uh, once, once you get to, to build a big, big, successful business. How do founders take that when you say that to them? Because founders, again, you, you and I, I mean, again, yeah. I, you're more successful than I was, but I know when you when you have an idea. You don't like when people say, well, you know, just be ready for it to change. Be ready for it to evolve, you know, because a lot of founders get stuck in their way. And this, it's the best idea since, you know, sliced bread. And this is fantastic. And this is going to work. And I'm just, it's the market. So it, it, we're right for the market. So, again, you know, what do you, do you tell founders that? Do you like, do you, do you pretty much dash their dreams and? You know, crush them early on so they you set the tone, or are you just like you know guide them, like you know advise them as you know things are moving along. I it, it it'll be the latter. <laughs> um, I also realize that uh, 
as an investor, you're more you're you're wrong more than you're right mm-hmm. in terms of you know if you do a hundred investments, the majority of them you're probably not going to return you know like your your, your invested capital on. Um, it's going to be disproportionate uh, investments in in in, in fewer w- winners. So um, while I while I you know believe that you know companies will pivot. Companies will change, you know, just like over time. You can't find a company that you know looked like they were at day one than they did at day a thousand or, mm-hmm. or ten thousand. Like just the, the the laws of of size and time and, and, and change uh, applies. Um, yeah, at the at the end of the day, I'm I'm prepared to you know be completely wrong. Um, and again, it goes back to first principles, which is we're investing largely in the basis of teams and founders that we think that there's something there with. We think that they have some unique skill set, some, you know, strong view of the market, some vision that, you know, I think over time will prove to be true mm-hmm. in what specifics, you know, are going to change is, is, is TBD. So, um, yeah, I, I, um, I refrain from making any big proclamations, any, <laughs> any, any big statements because, you, you know, again, and, and this is a weird thing about being an investor you got to be prepared to just be wrong constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think being focused on a specific sector, one you know well, one you have a disproportionate, you know, sort of like informational advantage in, I think you tilt the odds to your favor. But the dynamics of investing in people and, you know, not necessarily, you know, con- you know, controlling it, right? Being, being mm-hmm. hands on keyboard your, your, yourself, um, make it, you know, something that you need to be comfortable with, you know, the dynamics you, you could be wrong a lot. Interesting. Is there, is there a trait that you look for in founders? Is there something that you really, you know, are they you know, self confidence? You know, is it that they're just they have a great grasp of technical skills? Is there something that you 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 really look for when you, when when investing? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, it's 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 a it's a combination of the. They, they, they're going to exhibit some of the, the soft traits of, uh, you know, somebody that I think is going to be able to make it through. Um, this is a hard job that they're signing up for. Um, you know, as an investor, you're wrong more than you're right. As a, as a founder, you know, oftentimes you're, you're going to be wrong. You're going to make wrong decisions. You're going to make bad decisions, right? So do we think that this um, team, this person is going to be able to push through and, and persevere when things are tough because it's tough oftentimes a lot and for a long time period right so um, do we think that they've got the toughness do we think that um, they're going to be able to uh, attract other people to buy into the vision um, to, to, to join the team right so it's a combination of toughness and you know the, um, the, 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 the charisma to, to sell people on a vision and that includes customers and investors and, 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 and on down the line um, do we think that they have you know a, a big vision that we, we want to sign up for uh, as, a, as a fund as well um, so I think there's like sort of like the, the soft skills mm-hmm. um, and then there's going to be the, the hard skills right um, do they have some specific product or you know se- subsector knowledge that makes them uh, makes them a person that uh, you know knows something that we don't know do they have a secret do they have you know a thing that um, everybody else doesn't believe but they believe to be true um, that you know ultimately can be a um, you know in- incredible success 
because oftentimes, again, this goes back to being comfortable with, with mm-hmm. being wrong. The best investments are the ones that are completely contrarian, are the ones that <laughs> nobody believes in, yeah. um, that end up being you know the, the, the world changers, the, 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 the world beaters. So you need to be very comfortable with that. You need to be comfortable you know, taking a stand and making an investment and perhaps backing a company that um, not everybody's backing. Um, but that you have confidence that there's a thing there, whether that is you know some some specific expertise combined with some of those soft traits that make them you know some somebody we, we think can can do it. And it's going back to your original point where you know they have this inside knowledge that that yeah. other people are don't really have like yeah. that, that that secret that they they see but no one else does. Exactly right. Like you know I I I'd love to open up a yoga studio. <laughs> you know, like my wife does yoga. I think it's like so cool. I want to know the first thing about a <laughs> yoga studio. Like, right? like, you know, you don't you, ever invest in my yoga studio. You, know, you say that, and, and I, I've been listening to a lot of Guy Raz and how I built this, and he was talking about Lululemon. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, this guy just saw pants just or, or not working. Like, just everybody came in the 80s in sweatpants and baggy stuff, yeah. and, and he just saw, like, the opportunity was there to, you know, figure out how to make it better for people exercising and he built the business out of it so um, we're going to wind it down in a few you know in a few minutes just um, did you have a mentor when you were going through all this I did not you didn't I did not and I think that um, that probably held me back uh, in terms of um, you know not having somebody to like bounce a, a problem off of like hey either did you encounter this or could you just give me some advice because I, you know, I, I respect your, your, your opinion. Um, again, today, with the whole world being connected, the whole world being open, the whole, you know, uh, ecosystem of supporting startups, or even, you know, just, just you know, kind of individuals in, in, in general, um, access is, is like unprecedented. Um, so I think, you know, for anybody starting out today, for them not to have a mentor is, is, is crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I completely, um, I think, sh- you know, slowed my own development because I didn't. Okay. Got it. All right, so now I have plenty. I, got, <laughs> I, I, I call people for advice all the time. I'm not. I'm not afraid. Do you have a mentor network within Math Capital? Like, do you have guys that you could you could call upon? Say, okay, I have X company. I think they could really use your guidance. You know, do you build it out, or it just you know more natural? Yes. Yes, it's, yeah, there, there's, um, I have, uh, you know, one of the things that I sort of like, I think pr- prided myself on was building, you know, uh, building a world-class network just from so many years of being within, within this ecosystem. So whether it's people within my network or, you know, folks with specific subject matter expertise that might work, uh, here, um, for Joe at, at Media Math, um, we, uh, yeah, we, we try to pull in um, experts uh, whenever possible. Got it. Right, so what did you want to be when you were 15? This is more of the fun part. Right? When I was 15? Like, I, I'm sure it was not saying, I want a job at WorldCom. I can tell you that. No, no, no. <laughs> when you were 15, what did you want to do? Yeah, I, I thought I was going to be uh, a high-level strength athlete, believe okay. it or not. Um, I was super into like weightlifting and powerlifting. I was a big kid. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, not, not, not so much. Um, and uh, I was, uh, I was obsessed with it. I, like Eric, as a kid, I had like a single obsession that would last for years and years. 
and I would find something. I'm an only child, so I would find something that was like a solo activity that didn't require mm-hmm. any playmates, any siblings, no. any any team, mm-hmm. um, and just like do that and do it nonstop. I would drive my my, my parents crazy. Um, and um, yeah, so so I I, I thought I was going to be like you know an Olympic weightlifter. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure I will not get that answer from anybody else. <laughs> yeah, at oh. some point, my shoulders and my and my spine told me told me otherwise. <laughs> so, what companies um, that you've invested in that you're really excited about? Sure. Um, so, on a, on a personal level, uh, personal investment, uh, M Particle, which is the the customer data platform for uh, you know lo- lots of sophisticated marketers like Airbnb, Spotify, Postmates. Um, it's an amazing team. It was the founding team of a company called Interclick that Yahoo acquired. Um, you know, came together and you know tackled what will ultimately be, I think, a, a, a much um, bigger and more interesting problem, which is uh, data and, and creating and using it for, for for customer experiences, whether that be marketing or, or, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole customer data platform space, the CDP space, is exploding, um, and they're a clear leader. So um, that one, I'm a, I'm I'm, a, I'm, I'm you know, super excited about. Uh, with the fund, we've invested in uh, a dozen companies uh, this year of, of varying stages. Um, everything from, you know, a couple of founders uh, that are in total stealth that I wish I could tell you about, but mm-hmm. but but I can. Um, up to uh, businesses that uh, might be more recognizable, um, uh, such as Thunder, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, reimagining um, the, the most, you know, I think core. Some would say. Um, boring um, infrastructure for, for advertising, which is the ad server. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're reimagining that for, for the people-based advertising uh, era um, to Hudson MX, uh, which is um, you know working with some of the largest agencies uh, to who else? Um, underscore CLT, which is building a, a blockchain platform for, for digital marketing and about eight or nine others. Oh. So we're we're so excited with the, the talent that's coming into into the, the the marketing and advertising technology space. Very cool. So, what um, are there any habits that you do on a daily basis that keeps you on top of your game? Like you know, today, sure. like is there certain things that you could, you know, that you do that other people might be able to say, "Wow, that's a great idea." Yeah. So let, let's separate it into, um, I think, personal habits that that make me better at work, and maybe some habits at work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so personal habits, um, I try not to look at my phone for at least the first hour of the day. Uh, it is real tough, uh, to, I think properly, you know, start your day when all you've got is a list of other people's problems that happened over the past 12 hours. Right. Um, so, uh, so I, I try not to look at my phone for the, for the first hour of the day. I try to use the first hour of the day either to, um, work out or, you know, read, um, book or do something that, um, I think will help start the day out correctly. Um, those are really big. And then, uh, from a, from sort of like a, a work standpoint, I always try to carve out time to, um, to shut email off. So not sit there, you know, with like notifications coming in on my phone, not sit there with like sort of like the, the ding of, of, uh, of emails coming in on, on the desktop, but actually carve out time 
to do real work mm-hmm. um, and produce rather than always just sort of like be in, responsive, you know, responsive, reactive, yeah. in, 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 in defense mode. Um, and then I think sort of, you know, bringing it back full circle to, to the core of, you know, how I started my career, how um, I think we're able to, to, to grow grow successfully, you know, with, with, with our first business was um, I'm, I'm, you know, I try every single day to, um, to connect with people. Um, I try every single day to, uh, you know, beyond the bounds of like the meetings that I might have and, you know, the stuff that'll happen over the course of the day, mm-hmm. um, email a few people that, you know, I might have seen do some interesting things. If I read an article, mm-hmm. um, and I know the person or I don't know the person, I'll send them a note like, wow, I think that product is really, really cool. Great job. Would love to learn more. Um, or if it's a reporter that wrote the article that I think like did a really good job of explaining a complex topic or just like wrote it really well, I'll send him a note. Um, or, you know, I'll, pop, I'll open up LinkedIn and I'll see somebody I've worked with 10 years ago, just got a promotion and I haven't talked to them in seven years. I'll send him a note. Um, so um, it's a random thing that I do that uh, I could not recommend more. Um, for all of the, I think, serendipitous things that could happen, maybe not as a result of it. I just do it because I like doing this. Um, yeah. It happened maybe not as a result of it, but down the line because you're ever sort of like expanding your network, yeah. um, maintaining your network, um, you know, putting some positive things out there into the into the world. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank it was you, great. Um, whoever's listening, feel free to rate us on iTunes. It definitely helps us grow. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you. Love this episode of the Plugged In Podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.